All right, let's pray, hey? Father, we pray the words today, Lord, will come straight out of heaven and make us more like Jesus. Lord, confirm your words, Lord, with signs and wonders and miracles. Transform us, change us, heal us, set us free. For the glory of the Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, if you have your Bibles there with you. Phones, tablets, whatever it takes nowadays to turn there. Ivan. (laughs) I want to talk today about, about faith. Because you can't be a Christian without faith. It's impossible. In fact, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. All right? And you have to have faith and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died and rose again for you, and has taken your sins and given you new life. That's the basics of Christianity. So faith is sort of essential. Well, it's not sort of, it is essential to being a Christian. You know, people say, oh, I'm a Christian, but if they don't believe, then there's no faith, and therefore they're not a Christian. Simple, isn't it? Cool, we can go home now. But Jesus went on to say, and and I'm going to jump all over the place throughout the Bible as we go through this, because if we spent all our time looking up verses and going through this, we would be here for a very, very long time. All right. But I want to really just get across some of the, the essence and the basics of living a life by faith. Because it's a different way of thinking to what the world says. The world says, this is how it is. This is how life is. And you just take what comes your way and you make the best of it. You know, where you were born is where you were born. Suck it up. All right? What you do with your life is dependent on how hard you work and whether you have a bit of luck and whether you can take advantage of opportunities or not. And then one day you die and that's it. Which is really quite depressing, really. I don't know how people live without God. It's got to be depressing. I mean, where's the hope? You know, and I'm talking about the hope of, I really hope this happens, like I wish this happens. But the hope that you know that no matter what happens, you've got God in your corner. And that's where faith kicks in. Because faith is, you know, Jesus said that everybody has, has been given a measure of faith. You know, you can't believe without faith. And what you do with the faith that you're given can actually determine what you do with your life. Because you see, God actually puts no restrictions on your life. And some people really struggle with that and say, that can't be right because, you know, I've got to be within God's will and and do what he says. Yes, you do need to do God's will. But understand, God's will is that you have a relationship with him. 
And out of that relationship with him, he actually grants you the desires of your heart because the desires of your heart, he actually put there in the first place. The things that you want to see happen in your life is actually what God wants to do in your life if you're hanging out with him. Because when you hang out with him, your mind and your heart and your spirit lines up with him. So it's really important to understand that Christianity is a relationship. It's not a whole bunch of laws. Let let me help you understand where law came from in the first place. You see, if you go back to Old Testament times um, and you take, take the Israelites... All right, they came out of Egypt and they're heading off to the promised land, following the cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, wandering around. But they didn't know how to worship God. And they'd come out of a culture with the Egyptians where they had many gods. And so there's a lot of confusion in their life as to how do I live a life that honors God and puts God first? Because they understood that by being in relationship with God, blessing flowed. And blessing is good stuff. It's not bad stuff. All right? Really get that in your head. Sickness is not a blessing. Poverty is not a blessing. Broken relationships is not a blessing. They're not good things. I don't know where we decided to start calling them good things in the church, but they're not good things. When you read through blessings, you go through Deuteronomy 28, you know, it talks about the good things that God has for your life. That he says there's abundance in your life, there's overflowing in your life, that you're the head, not the tail, you're above and not beneath. But they didn't know how to walk in the blessing. So God taught them how to walk in the blessing by giving them the old covenant. He said, here's the deal. If you walk in this way, then you'll walk in my blessing." And he he took from them the ambiguity of who God was and gave them this framework to start to live by. And that's where the law came from. And Jesus, when he came, he said, I fulfilled the law. So all the law is fulfilled. And what was he saying? He's saying, listen, when you believe in Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior, he lifts off you all of the sin you've ever done. Everything you've ever done has been wrong. Every consequence of that is now gone. It's fully paid. It's like getting a whole bunch of parking fines and somebody else paying it for you. You know, if you go back in and you try and pay those parking fines, you can't because they're already paid. That's what Jesus did for us. He paid our every debt. He paid everything we owed so we could actually live the life of blessing and live in a new covenant with him. That's faith. But I find so many Christians are still trying to be good enough for God. They still have this attitude of, I'm not not good enough so God can't bless me. Good things can't come in my life because I know where I'm failing, I know where my weaknesses, I know where I struggle. And so they spend all their life focused on the struggle and on their weaknesses rather than on Jesus. And when you focus 
on your weaknesses, you go back to them. Because whatever you focus on is what you become. That's how you're wired up. Whatever your focus is, is what you'll become. You know, if you watch movie after movie after movie on something like adultery, you know what's going to come into your life? Adultery. If you watch the movie, I mean, this is why they're saying, you know, the violence that kids are seeing now in, in video games and in movies and so on is resulting in what? an increase in violence. It's not rocket science. Because what you focus on is what you become. And it's the same in your life. If you keep focusing on your sin, oh, I messed up again, and you keep living in that place and you keep playing it over, you're going to step back into it. That's not faith. That's fear. Fear is actually the opposite of faith. They can't coexist. Faith is changing how you look at life and seeing things as God sees them by starting by focusing on Him. When you focus on Jesus, you become like Jesus. That's why it's really important to be reading the Word of God. Because Romans 10 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The Word of God. So the only way you get faith is by reading the Word of God, by speaking the Word of God, and then you'll start living the Word of God. It's a process. You have to get the world out and God in. And when you start to live a life of faith, anything is possible. All limits come off. Because we have an unlimited God. And you start to think and you start to act and you start to believe like God does. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith. I like that now at the start. Often we can skip over it we just go, now faith. But it's not. It's now faith. Because faith is now. Hope is for the future, faith is now. And we have a now God, yeah? We have a now God, don't we? What's his name? I am. Not I was, not I will be, I am. He's a God of right now because he's not limited by time and space. He created time and space. They are his servants. And time's hold really relative. You know, if you lived on Mars, your day and your year would be totally different. Because Mars has a different circuit around the sun. It gets around the sun a little bit quicker. It doesn't have as far to go. It spins on its axis at a different rate to what Earth does. So a Martian day is different to an earth day. And a Martian year is different to an earth year. So if you put someone who lived on Mars with someone who lived on earth and you were discussing how long a day was, you would have confusion. If you talked about how long a year was, because a year is one circuit around the sun, you'd have confusion. 
because they'd have different calendars and different schedules. Can you imagine trying to match the two of them? It's bad enough nowadays, you know, on one planet with different time zones. But time is relative. Do you know that? To where you are in the universe. There are no limits in God. He's greater than time and space. And we have to learn not to think in terms of time and space, but in terms of anything is possible. Anything is possible, if you believe. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What does that mean? Faith is the substance of what you hope for. The word substance there can be equated to title deed. All right, if you purchase a house, you get a title deed. That title deed says that you own that house, that you can take a debt against that house, that you can sell that house. So if you have a title deed for a property, you don't want to lose it. You don't want somebody else to pick it up. Because if someone else has your title deed, then they can do things with your property like put debt on it or sell it. Right? If you have the title deed, you have the ownership of the property. That's what faith is. Faith is having ownership of what you're hoping for. It's the evidence of what you cannot see. Now, it takes no faith for me to believe that right in front of me is this little lectern. Why? Because I can see it. You can all see it. We know it's there. There's no faith involved, is there? What if I told you there were three here? You'd say, Philip, you need to get your eyes checked. (laughs) But if I was believing for three lecterns across the front, and I went to God and I prayed and I believed for three of them to the point where I actually believed that they would be there, then I had them, even though they're not there. That's faith. Faith is believing that something is done even if you can't see the evidence of it. That's faith. So if you take the whole treehouse place in a thing, you know, we went with our offer that we believed before God was our offer and we just stood on that. And while the world was running around and the world was putting pressure on and they're coming back with this and that and the other, we just stood on what we knew God had said. And we just stood on it. Until they come back and go, oh yeah, it's all done. We go, yeah, we know. It's all done. Now we haven't signed a contract yet, but it's done. Because we have faith. We have faith in God that he's sorted it. We have faith in the broker that they've sorted it. We have faith in the current owners that they're actually going to do what they said, and it's done. That's faith. It's the substance of what you hope for, the evidence of what you cannot yet see. Does that make sense? All right. So how does this work out in your life? How do you transition faith to actually working for you. Because you see, the world says you have to live within the means of what you have. Isn't that right? 
You know, if you go and borrow money, they will ask you how much you make. They'll ask you what you're offering for security. They'll ask you whether you can afford to make the repayments back, and then they'll tell you whether they think you can or not. All right? That's the world system. God has a better system. It's called faith. And to to really have faith working for you, there's a key thing you have to get down inside your spirit. There's something that has to be a part of you that if you don't get this, you'll always struggle. And that is you have to understand that you are a child of God. That you've, If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've asked for His forgiveness, then He has made you a child of the Father. Not just that. It says that you are a co-heir with Jesus. Now, what does it mean to be a co-heir? I have two brothers. All right, when my parents pass away, I'm pretty confident that I'll be a co-heir with my two brothers. What does that mean? That means that everything my parents own will divide up three ways. And we'll all get an equal share. That's what it is to be a co-heir. You're on the same level, and you get the same rights to everything. The Bible says that we're co-heirs with Jesus. So that means that everything Jesus has access to from the Father, you have access to. Think about that for a minute. Everything. Jesus has access to, you have access to. That you are on the same level of Jesus when it comes to accessing the Father and all that he offers. Now see, often people go, you know, if Jesus was here, he could do it, but we can't. That is never true. If Jesus could do it, you can do it. Let that sink in. If Jesus can do it, you can do it. So that means that anytime you have a need, did Jesus have needs? Have you ever thought about how Jesus started his life? I'm sure you have, because Christmas is coming and we talk about this, you know. It's the idea of behind Christmas if you haven't worked that out yet. <laughs> but, but Jesus gets born. I mean, I mean he's hardly, you know, he's, he's born, he's, he's not even two years of age, and a couple of rich guys rock up with what they assume to be anywhere between four and $40 million worth of stuff. So when the wise men rocked up, you know, we don't know if it was three. We use three because tradition because they said of the gifts they bought, and so we talk about three. But these guys came, and they were kings who were honoring another king. Now, when you honored another king, you had to come and bring wealth. All right? When the Queen of Sheba came to see Solomon, she bought camel load after camel load after camel load, just all kept coming in with spices and gold. And, and trinkets and all this stuff. It was like 
you know, millions of dollars worth of wealth because she had to come and honor his status. And if you did not bring sufficient wealth, the king that was receiving you would let you know that they weren't pleased with what you bought and you would have to go and either do something about it or leave. This is where Jesus is born in the middle of this. And so the the wise men rock up, but they were kings in their own right. And so they came and bought gifts for the king of kings. And they worked out the minimum value would have been about $4 million in today's wealth. But they actually estimate it's probably closer to $40 million worth of wealth. So Jesus has hardly been on earth. And he's already a multimillionaire. And people say to me, oh, well, you know, it says in the Bible that Jesus gave up, Jesus became poor. You need to read that verse. Firstly, it says that Jesus became poor so that we might be rich. And it was talking physical wealth. And he did become poor. He left heaven where the streets are paved with gold. Anything down here is not going to compare to that, is it? See, we over-spiritualize things. So Jesus has been here five minutes, and he's already a multimillionaire. He gets through his life, and, and he starts his ministry. Now think about it. Think in logical terms, the guy had 12 people on his staff. We call them Disciples. He had a responsibility as their leader to take care of all of them and their families. And they had families. That was his responsibility. In fact, he had so much wealth, he had a treasurer. And the treasurer was diddling the books. And he was able to diddle the books without anybody else knowing. Now, now, I don't know about you, but... If you're living on $100 a week and someone takes out $10, you're going to notice, right? Whereas, you know, if there's serious amount of cash in there and someone's pulling out little bits here and there, nobody really notices, do they? So you've got to think logically sometimes and work out that Jesus was not poor. I mean, when he crucified him on the cross... They took his outer garment and they went, you know what? This is like the equivalent of an Armani suit. So they didn't want to tear it up because everything else they tore up and divided. They said, no, no, this is worth a lot of money. And then how are we going to divide this up? The soldiers are going, how are we going to divide this? This is a really valuable coat. It was so valuable, they said, tell you what? Let's throw some dice. Highest number wins and gets the coat. That's how valuable it was. This is the same Jesus who laid hands on the sick and saw them recover. This is the same Jesus who, you know, it says that people who lost their arms would have arms grow back and hands grow back. People who are demon-possessed and not in their right mind, he would bring healing and deliverance on their lives. This is the Jesus we follow. This is the Jesus that we are a co-heir with. That's why it says that anything Jesus can do, 
you can do and more. He only had three years to do it. You've got a whole lifetime. But you see, we spend so much time thinking like the world thinks. It can't be done. Oh, this is hard. You know, things like healings and miracles, getting people saved. They're actually, the Bible says they're the easy stuff. So this is, Paul writes and he says, we have to go back to the milk. You know, we think, oh, this is the really hard, intense stuff. No, it's not. The Bible says this is the milk. This is the baby food. And we struggle with the baby food because we haven't got in our heads who we are in Christ. Because we don't live by faith. We live by whatever we watch on TV or whatever the latest bit of gossip going around is or what we're hearing all the time. And we're not feeding ourselves faith. We have to change how we think. So let me give you a really, really quick steps on how to do that, shall we? A ten minute, a five minute, how are we going? A five minute lesson in faith. All right? First of all, read your Bible. This is more important than anything you'll ever watch on TV. Can you imagine how you would be if you spent as much time reading your Bible as you did watching TV? How would that change your life? Or maybe as much time as you sit on Facebook. Hannah went, whoa, I'd be a super Christian. No. <laughs> Dale posted something yesterday and she flicked it through and I said, gee, it's been five minutes and Hannah hasn't liked it yet. <laughs> Let me read you Mark 11. Jesus says in verse 22, he says, have faith in God. If you actually get the initial translation of that, it says, have a God kind of faith. In other words, have faith like God has faith. Because you're a joint heir with him, you can have that. You can believe like God believes. I mean, if you're facing a situation, think about how would Jesus handle this if he was here? Yeah, the whole what would Jesus do? It became a vogue thing. Everyone had little bands. I was wondering, I mean, you can say, what would Jesus do? But anyone actually ever do what Jesus would do? Well, think about it. When you face a situation, what would Jesus do if he was there? Because you have the same right and the same opportunity to do whatever he would do and to act like he would act. So have a God kind of faith. Jesus says, assuredly I say to you, and it's in red, that's how you know it's Jesus, all right? So it must be important. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, believes those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever you ask when you pray, believe you receive, and you will have it. All right. How do you live a life of faith? It's really easy. First of all, build your faith by putting the Word of God in. All right. Read the Bible. Read it in the morning. Read it in the evening. Find great faith teachers and listen to them. 
and listen to them and listen to them because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. It's the only way you will get faith. You can't actually get faith by asking for it. You can't say to God, I want more faith. He would say, fantastic, what are you going to do about it? Because the responsibility for more faith lies with you, not with God. He has given you everything you need to be the most awesome person that ever lived here on earth. Because he gave you his son. And when he died and rose again, everything became possible. He gave you full dominion. I'd love to preach for an hour on that. But he gave you full dominion on this earth. So you have everything available to you to be a person full of faith. You just have to choose to start using it. You know, we all want to walk around with a six-pack. We all want to be, you know, big and muscly, but not all of us want to pay the price. Do we? We want to eat the cream cakes and enjoy the ice cream and the chocolate and not get out of bed and go to the gym. But the reality is, if I said to you, you know, I'm believing this, I'm believing this, I'm asking God to give me a six-pack. They go, fantastic, you know, I want me eating my chocolate bar. You're going to look at me and go, uh, I think you're missing something here. There's a key step. Put the chocolate down and go to the gym. Right? Faith is the same. You have faith muscles. You've been given a measure, you know, you've been given a measure of muscle. What you do with that muscle is up to you. You can either let it turn into fat or you can turn it into more muscle. The choice is yours. Faith is the same. You've been given a measure of faith. What you do with it is up to you. You can turn it into bigger faith or you can let it go to waste. Does that make sense? So you need to work out your faith and have a faith workout every day. You can do it at the same time as you're working out at the gym if you like. I do. I bought myself a new rowing machine because I'm into rowing machines because they're better than those crazy things you get at the gym. Devil machines, some of them are. Otherwise known as cross trainers. But let's not go there. So I bought myself a rowing machine. One of the things I like about the rowing machine is that you're in one place all the time so I can stick my headphones in, I can put something on to listen. And I had this combination going, I know you're supposed to multitask, but I had this combination going, I usually have a small TV with like a sport game going on and you turn the sound down so I can see what's going on because that motivates me. And then in my headphones, I'm listening to some good faith teaching. So I'm building my physical muscles as well as my spiritual muscles. It's a journey, all right? It's a journey. No, 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 I don't go with that. I don't go with that. Because I've been in pain and still had no gain. (laughs) But there has to be a sacrifice somewhere. Jesus already paid it. We just need to actually kill our flesh and step into faith. All right. So Jesus said, because when you do that, when you put the word of God in, when you listen to good teaching, and I mean, I'll give you a, a listen up. Look, 
You can listen to Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen. You can listen to Jesse Duplantis, Jerry Seville, Bill Winston. The list goes on and on and on. If you don't, well, you can write them down now. You can listen to the recording later on on the app. I'll tell them to you later. But you can, you can just YouTube. I mean, we've got so much available now that was not available 10 years ago. You know, I can literally, sometimes I go for a run. And so I love just flicking it over and doing a podcast or opening up YouTube and just putting in one of the names and it'll come up with a massive list. And it's all for free. You can build faith muscles for free. And you listen to it and you listen to it and it changes your perspective. In the middle of that situation, when they're looking at the treehouse and, and they're coming back to us and everybody who was supposed to help us initially came back and said, actually, no, we can't. We found we had a choice. We could sit there and go, oh, it's all over. It's done. But so you have to do whatever you can do. So you know what Dale and I did? Got my tablet out, jumped straight onto YouTube and started listening to Bill Winston. And that's where your faith muscles. And all the way through, whenever you're feeling like you're going to go to that, oh, it can't be done, don't go there. Pull it up. Listen to some faith. Read something faith-based. Open up your Bible. Let God build your spirit because you're in a warfare. And Satan's not going to let you go there easy. But as you listen to them, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, it changes your perspective. And the more you listen to it, the more it will change your perspective from what the world has taught you that it can't be done to what God is saying that nothing is impossible. Because there's a key thought around this in what Jesus says here. <clears throat> he says to you, if you say to this mountain, in other words, you speak to your situation. Maybe you've got friends you want to see saved, and I hope you do. And you've been praying and praying and praying that they get saved. And then you go, oh, man, they're never going to get saved. What you say is important. You can't pray one thing and then say another thing. That's not faith. That's like me saying to you, you know, me saying to Hannah, you know, Hannah, I'm, I'm going to baptize you today. And then getting down there and going, no, I'm not going to baptize you anymore. And we all rock up and we go, what are we here for? That's what, when you pray one thing before God and then you say another thing. You know, you go in there and saying, Father, I really pray for salvation over, over Joe. I really pray for Joe to be saved. Well, wait, Joe's never going to get saved. That's not faith. You can't contradict what you pray and what you say. You have to be consistent. I may not feel like anything's happening in Joe's life. I may not see any difference. But it doesn't matter because faith is not about what you see. It's about what you see in here. Because it's about what you believe. You know, you may find that parts of your life are falling apart. You may have financial issues or relationship issues or health issues. And everything about you says it's not working. Don't say it. Zip your lip. If you can't speak the words of God, then shut up. You say shut up in church? I'm sure Jesus said it. He called people a brood of a bite of us. You snakes, he said. But seriously, because he says, 
what you say to them mounted in your life and believe. And you can't say one thing and then say another because you have to be able to trust your words. You know, one of the biggest blights on our society today is sarcasm. You know when you say something but you don't mean it? I think Ernie and Bert taught us that. You watch Ernie and Bert? Very sarcastic. But it's actually one of the biggest fights because we can't trust our own words. You have to be able to trust what you say. It doesn't matter what is going on in front of you. You have to be able to trust that what God said is true. That's faith. So you need to push into God until you have a word from him out of his word that says this is what he says about that situation. And he says some amazing things. But you have to trust what he says. and You have to pray and believe what he says. And not doubt in your hearts. It says when you get to that point, it will happen. He says whatever you ask when you pray, believe you receive them. Let, let me read you some of the promises before you finish. This is what God says about you. I had to cut this down from 18 pages to three. Seriously. And even the 18 pages was not complete. All right? If you struggle with addiction, you know what God says? If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So you can claim that. If you're struggling with an addiction of some sort, you can go, you know what? Jesus said that if sons may be free, I am free indeed. So I speak that over my life. I am free in Christ. And you keep speaking that, and you keep speaking that. And when the addiction rises up, you keep speaking it. You know, when I injured my back and they gave me the medication, which I realized I didn't want to start taking because, you know, I was off the planet. I went into meetings after that because I actually did phone meetings with my work. I remember rocking into meetings about three weeks later after I came off medication. And they go, yeah, we discussed this. No, no recollection whatsoever. And I'd read my page of notes and it made no sense. And yet, I functioned. They took what I said in these meetings. So, <laughs> says a lot about who I work for, maybe. <laughs> but I remember coming off that and going through withdrawal. And I mean, mine was a mild dose and a mild withdrawal. And when I realized I was, there was no way I was going back into that stuff. But I had to stand on the Word of God. Because I felt like every nerve of my body was trying to escape at the same time. So you have to stand on the word of God, that the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And you keep speaking that, and you keep speaking that until you believe it. And then you can stand on it. If you suffer from depression, or are struggling with depression, says in Isaiah 41, Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right head of my righteousness. Psalm 107 says, They cried in the Lord their trouble, and he saved them from all their distresses. God wants you out of depression. But you won't get there by medication. You will get there by the word of God. Medication can help in the short term, but it's the word of God that will actually transform the way that you think. You've got to stand on the word of God and speak it and speak it and speak it. And not speak the opposite. If you struggle with fear, and I know a lot of people do. 
or Friday this or Friday that. It's really easy. Psalm 23, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The Lord is my light, Psalm 27 says, and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Because God is the strength of my life. So I don't need to be afraid. You struggle with fear, you speak that word out. Maybe you're struggling with finances, with jobs. During 28, I love during 28, it's a good one to take on that one. It says, the Lord will open his good treasure, the heaven, and give rain on your land in season, and bless all the work of your hands. We're going in the treehouse, and I'm going in with a clear vision as to what I want to happen in that place. We're going to write down, this is what we expect. And we're going to speak it over that place. And this is one of the verses we'll use to stand on, that the Lord will bless the work of our hands. We'll be so wealthy, you'll lend to many nations and not borrow from any. That's how you should be thinking. So wealthy that you work like a bank, not that you have to go to the bank. You are the bank. Something that Jesse Plato said the other day, and he said, you know, I used to think, he said at one time that $100 million would make a diff, big difference for the gospel. He said, I've just crossed the $100 million turnover mark, and it's still not enough. That's a lot of money, isn't it? But he says it's still not enough to do all we need to do for the gospel. We've got to think bigger. Because God does. If you struggle with forgiveness, how can God forgive me? He already has. He says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you are clean. You are pure. You are as clean as Jesus. You are as pure as Jesus. And you can say that. I'm as pure as Jesus. If you need guidance, what do I do, God? Psalm 23, Psalm 32, sorry. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. God will tell you which way to go. If you ask him. If you're struggling with health, 1 Peter 2, 24, says, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed and made whole. You were. It's not are, not a will be. It's you were. Healing is actually already done. Matthew 8 says Jesus took up our infirmities and carried all our diseases. So that means there's nothing left for you to carry. What you're going to do is take these verses and just repeat them and stand on them and repeat them until they get down in here. You've got to speak them out. Not just read it with your eyes, read it with your mouth. So they go in your ear and into your brain, and it changes how you think. You need to get a word from God in his word, because that's where faith starts, and then stand on it. Sit on it. Do whatever you else like on it, but just speak it. And when you're tempted to say, it's not going to work, and give up, just shut up. Go and find somebody, listen to somebody, good. And avoid people who don't agree with you. You know one of the stupidest things I see people do all the time? Is they're believing for something, believing something, and so they go and tell people. 
who they know will not agree because they want to convince them. You want to convince them? Convince them when you're through because they will come and tell you all the negatives and then when it gets hard, you know what happens? The negative rises up and that word gets in your head. Don't do it. Share what you're believing for before God with someone who's going to believe with you, who's going to stand with you, who's going to pray with you, who's going to declare with you. And so when it's hard times, they're the person you ring up. Hey, I just need to hear some word. Tell me what I've been believing for again. Tell me that verse I told you. And they'll speak it to you. Because I promise you, when you stand by faith, it won't be easy. Because there is a heaven, there is a hell. There is a God, there is a devil. And when you start to stand by faith, you start to stand on the devil's head. And he's not a fan of that. He can't do anything about it if you stand by faith, but he's not a fan of it. So he will fight you. He will make it look like it's all getting bad, that there's no way through, that it can't happen. He will put people in your life in your way, you know, doctors who will say, this is how it's going to be. He will have finance companies ringing you up more and more, more than what's necessary. He'll put things on the news telling you how bad it all is. You'll look at that person you're praying for to be saved and they'll go and do things totally against and look like things are worse. Because that's what Satan does. Because it's like going up to the beehive and swatting it. But if the beehive is hanging outside your front door, you need to get rid of the beehive. You have to swat it with a big stick called faith. And the bees will come out and they will try and cause chaos because that's what the devil does. But know that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Jesus said, I've overcome the world even by faith. So I want to challenge you. What are you facing? Are you trying to do it your way? Are you trying to do it God's way? Who are you believing for people to be saved? Are you really believing that someone will be saved? Are you using the word of God in that? Or are you just hoping? Your financial situation, your health situation, whatever it is, are you bringing God into that situation? Because God made you to be a giant. In faith. He made you to be an overcomer. He made you to be the head and not the tail. But you have to choose to believe and become who he made you to be. You have to choose to exercise your faith muscles. And sitting down watching the news on TV is not going to build your faith muscles. Watching the latest movie is not going to build your faith muscles. Reading that fantastic novel is probably not going to build your faith muscles. Drinking more coffee doesn't build faith muscles. I tried. But I worked out when I do it with the, with the word, it works really well. So there's something in that, but you know. 
There's only one way to build faith muscles, just like there's only one way you build your physical muscles. Putting your effort in the right direction. The Word of God will make you a giant in this place. But you have to make that choice. You have to let go of all that worldly stuff. You have to let go of the past. You have to let go of the things you've been holding on to. And set your eyes on Jesus, not on fear. Because fear will rob your faith. I can go for hours, but we won't. Let's pray. That was a long five minutes. Father, we thank you. You are an awesome God. Actually, I just want to just take a minute now, just between you and God, and just, just think about the situations you've been facing and actually ask God to give you a word. Say, Lord, I pray, Lord, this week, just show me from your word a verse that speaks to that situation. And when he does that, we just write it down somewhere. And every morning and every night, speak it. Carry it in your pocket. When you have lunch, morning tea, afternoon tea, when you're at the gym, whatever it is that happens throughout your day, just take time for the day just to speak that word. So it changes how you think and gets God in the middle of your situation. Because nothing's too hard for him. Just come to him now and ask him. Father, I pray for every person here, Lord. I pray whatever need is there. Lord, I pray your word right now will be sown into hearts. That you'll bring revelation of your word. That it'll have life in every person here. Lord, that they will not see the problem, but they'll have a clear vision of your result. A clear vision of what you want to do. That faith will grow through your word. Lord, hunger in this place will grow for your word. That we will become all you made us to be. Lord, I bless every person here in the name of Jesus. Lord, we take authority over sickness. We speak healing now in the name of Jesus. We take authority over debt right now. and We cancel that debt right now in the name of Jesus. Through the provision of heaven. Healing and wholeness here in Jesus' name. We bless you. Amen.